Welcome back to the Shores Church Online. It is great to be with you today. Thank you for taking a moment to study God's Word with me with the Shores Church. Whether you're watching on YouTube, following on Facebook, streaming on Spotify, or checking us out some other way, thank you for taking a moment to be in God's Word with me today. Let me just encourage you that if you live in the St. Clair Shores area, we would love to have you in the building. We'd love to get to see you, get to meet you. So uh, drop by some Sunday morning at 1030 and join us live in person. And you can go on myshores.church. You can check what's going on. You can give online. Uh, you can give to our uh, normal tithe and offering, or you can give to Kingdom Builders to help us do special projects both here in our city and around the world to build God's kingdom. Today we're continuing in our study on the book of Daniel. We're going to be looking at chapter 4 today. I just want to kind of recap what we have went through so far in the weeks 1 through 3 of the series. In week 1, we discussed the importance of faithfulness in difficult moments. Uh, the main idea was the ability to live in Babylon and thrive still because we know that our character and our heart are found in Jesus Christ. In the second week, we discussed the importance of humility. And I want you to hear something. I said it before, and I want to say it again, that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less often. We want to be able to think about other people just like Jesus thought about us when he went to the cross on your behalf and on my behalf. So we want to live in true, authentic humility, not thinking that we're anything great and special, but that God can use us despite our weaknesses to accomplish his mission and his purposes. And then last week, we discussed how those two ideas, faithfulness and humility, really blend together with boldness. And when we put all three of those things together, we realize that we can face difficult moments like the fiery furnace, and we can stand before a king and say, you know what, it doesn't matter what you're going to do to me because I know that my God is good and he can rescue me. And even if he doesn't, he's still God and he's still good and I'm still going to serve him and I'm not going to bow down. We have that ability to be faithful in that difficult moment. We have that ability to approach the king with humility, but we can say those things in boldness because we have confidence. And ultimately, we saw Jesus join Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And it helped lead to the moment where King Nebuchadnezzar turned his life over to God. And that's where we're going to be headed today in chapter 4. But before we get any further, would you go ahead and repeat after me, your word is written in my mind. Your word is hidden in my heart. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will seek you with all of my strength. I choose to live my life according to your word. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. Well, in chapter four today, this is the idea, like, like I mentioned, we're going to be kind of pulling the humility and the pride, uh, those issues back in today. Uh, but the main thing that we're going to be talking about today is the idea of godly discipline and restoration. It's important to realize that there is godly discipline that we might encounter in our life, but that ultimately God will completely bring us uh, restored into his presence. So that's where we're going to be going today. Uh, we're going to be starting, though, by reading Daniel 
uh, chapter 3, verse 28 through 4, 3. So we're going to start back a little bit in chapter 3, and we're going to work our way into chapter 4. So would you go ahead and read this with me? Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command, and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. The first thing I want to pull out today from our scripture is this, is that we are witnessing the conversion of Nebuchadnezzar. Now imagine that, the conversion of Nebuchadnezzar. A lot of times we say today, well, if this politician or this celebrity would just meet Jesus, what a difference it could be for our society. And this is what happens here. Nebuchadnezzar meets God and is converted and his life changes. We can see him kind of moving in this direction through chapter 1 and chapter 2, but the end of chapter 3 really gets us to that moment where he says, I want to follow your God. That he, he really learns this lesson finally in chapter 3. And you might say, well, prove it. Like, how do we know that he did? Okay, I'm going to give you some proof. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 28, this is why we went back there, he uses the word blessed. This uh, passage was written in Aramaic, and the word used is barak, which we translate as worthy to be praised. Barak appears only once in the book of Daniel, but in its Hebrew equivalent, barak, occurs 75 times in the Old Testament. Every time that word is used of praising God, the individual praising God is always a believer and never an unbeliever. This is not a term that someone that was an unbeliever would use. It's somebody who is saying, I am following God Almighty. So when we see this, we see the conversion that happens. Do you want more proof, though, that Nebuchadnezzar decided that he was going to follow after God? The Holy Spirit inspired the authors of Scripture from beginning to end that inspired man to then write the words of God and have them preserved for us today. Why would God have the Holy Spirit inspire an unbeliever to write passages of Scripture? What do I mean by that? When we look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 18, we read the first couple of verses a moment ago, and we're going to read the rest of it. But then also verses 34 through 37 is a letter that was written by Nebuchadnezzar. Basically, chapter 4, it starts with Nebuchadnezzar. The, in the middle is um, what happens to him in chapter 4. We'll get there in a second. But then it ends with Nebuchadnezzar as well. So when we look at this, why would the Holy Spirit allow someone who didn't believe in God to actually write Holy Scripture? It doesn't really make sense. So when we look at what happened at the end of chapter 3 and taking into mind what chapter 4 is doing, we can realize that Nebuchadnezzar had a change of heart. He had a conversion experience. He had a God moment. And so what we're going to see here is that Nebuchadnezzar doesn't have it all worked out yet. 
that Nebuchadnezzar still has issues, he has problems, he has things that he's got to deal with, just like you do, just like I do. Uh, but we're going to see him make a significant progress towards God Almighty through chapter 4. From the beginning of chapter uh, 4 through the end, we're going to see a progression that allows Nebuchadnezzar to walk in the ways of God. So let's go ahead. We're going to move then into Daniel chapter 4, verses 4 through 18. So would you read this with me now? I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me, he who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decisions by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets it over the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, shall tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Now, this portion of uh, the, the passage is this. It's Nebuchadnezzar's second dream. We see his first dream that Daniel has already interpreted in chapter 2 about the statue and all the different kingdoms. But now this is his second dream. And we're going to get into the more of the details of what this dream represents in just a moment. But here's the thing that I want you to, to recognize here. Nebuchadnezzar is recognizing that God is God, but he doesn't have his life together yet, like we're talking about in a moment. So I want this to be a couple things for you. I want it to be an encouragement. I want it to be a challenge. And I want it to be a reminder for you today. Here's the encouragement. It's in the sense that we are all in a constant process of trying to be made right with God. We're walking this journey that's called sanctification, that when we accept Jesus, we are instantly made holy, that if something happened to us, that we would go into the very presence of God. But at the same time, it's also progressive, that every single day that we live, we are moving closer and closer 
to looking like Jesus Christ, that we haven't arrived and that we need to continue to grow. And so look at this passage as as an encouragement that he's about to have a dream. He's about to have it interpreted. And it's really just kind of saying that, hey, your life's not together yet, but it's okay. You need to keep moving in that right direction. A challenge in this is that we should strive to continue to grow. So when we have this dream interpreted in just a moment from Daniel, we need to realize that we need to continue to grow, that we cannot say, I just arrived. Because when we arrive, then we start thinking that we can do it on our own power. And that uh, in, in this moment, when we operate in pride, we get our world rocked. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar is about to experience. And then ultimately, let this be a reminder for us that we need to be patient with those that are around us. That Daniel is about to interact with Nebuchadnezzar. He's about to explain this dream. And it's going to be an explanation that he doesn't really want to give, but he's got to give. But he needs to patiently remind him and, like, and, and patiently encourage him. And oftentimes we need to do this with other believers. We need to help them realize you might not have it all together yet, but I want to help you get there. So here's what, what's really happening with our, our favorite king here, King Nebi. Um, he has a dream. He goes back to the magicians, the enchanters, the astrologers, and asks them to interpret the dream. They can't do it. And why he goes back to them, I don't really get it. You see, they, he went to them in chapter two and they couldn't tell the dream and he couldn't explain the dream. And he then goes to Daniel and Daniel's able to in chapter two. So here in this moment, you would think that he would know better. And this is why I go back to those ideas of an encouragement, a challenge, and a reminder, is that Nebuchadnezzar is going back to the old ways. He doesn't have it all together. That he goes to the old mistakes. And that it would be very easy for us to look at him and be like, come on, get it together. But we got to be reminded that we've got to be patient with other people because you and I have likely had moments like this where we have said, you know what? I think I know what to do. I'm going to do it my own way. And in one reality, it's not what God has called us to do. It's not what God has asked us to do. So he goes back to them. They're not able to explain anything. And then ultimately, Daniel's brought in. And Daniel, as we know, is going to be able to interpret the stream. But the interesting thing is he acknowledges the fact that Daniel was named after Belteshazzar, that it's after his God. And if you notice in the text, it said a little g God and that he has the spirit of the gods. He's, he's still not completely getting it that God Almighty is different than all these other gods. He still has to get it worked out of his life that, yeah, you, you worshiped all these little gods, these fake gods in the past. We need to work it out of you uh, that you need to not follow these anymore because they don't have any value to you. But notice it's a very quick like, hey, I accepted God. And now I need to start following God. I need to start working this stuff out. When in reality, a lot of times when we turn our lives over to God, some of it happens quickly and some of it is a journey to get to where we need to go. And this is what he's experiencing here is it's this journey. So he calls in Daniel. Daniel's ready to interpret the dream. And he he hears it and he explains it. So let's go ahead and we're going to read now verses 19 to 27. Let's hear what this interpretation of the dream is. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the 
field found shade and in whose branches the birds of the heavens live. It is you, O king, who has grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field and let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwellings shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. So the point here is Daniel interprets the second dream. Just like in chapter 2, he was able to interpret the first dream, Daniel here is able to interpret this second dream. And he really wishes that he couldn't. He really wishes that it was for somebody else because he doesn't want to give this news to Nebuchadnezzar. Things seem like they're moving in the right direction, but he has this dream, and this dream is not going to end well, that basically you need to change quickly. There's some areas you need to work some, some situations out, or you're going to find yourself living like a wild animal that you're going to be eating the grass and walking around with a dew on your back, just like any other animal. That Nebuchadnezzar can humble himself, or God will humble him by putting him lower than the animals that man was put in a position in the garden to watch over. It's not just a matter of, I'm going to remove your kingdom from you. It's, I'm going to remove your stature in creation, that I'm going to put you as low as the animals, not just as low as a random person in your kingdom. The dream itself is pretty self-explanatory, but I want to draw your attention to this counsel of, of Daniel. Daniel calls Nebuchadnezzar to break off his sins by living righteously and his iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed. What's the difference of sin and iniquities? And while we're at it, I'm going to throw a third term in there that's not present here, but usually this term goes when uh, sin and iniquities are, are mentioned in Scripture, and that is trespasses. So I want you to understand today what the difference between a trespass, a sin, and an iniquity is. Because they're all very similar, but they're a little bit different. I want you to imagine for a moment that you have a bow and an arrow. If you're unskilled with a bow and an arrow, and you don't have any ability, and you don't have the strength, and you pull it back and you miss the target that you're aiming for, it's a trespass. It's a mistake, and ultimately you didn't really have much of a shot. And with time and with learning and with education and with conviction, you'll start realizing of, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. And your ability will start growing and God will be able to, to speak to you and help you understand that which you're supposed to do. But when you don't have any knowledge of it and you don't have any ability and you don't have any talents, that in those moments, it's considered a trespass. It's not right, but it's not held against you in that same manner. The second thing would be this. If you have the strength to hit the target and you pull back and you take the shot and you miss, it's sin. That you tried your best, it's, the arrow's moving in the right direction. It just didn't quite make it. That, that's sin, that it's literally missing the mark. 
but it's you gave it your best attempt to do it. So that that's what sin ends up being. But iniquity is this. It's when you have the skill and the strength and the ability and you deliberately miss the target. You deliberately miss the target because I don't want to hit that. And so you just shoot the arrow off in the complete other direction. That's an iniquity. So when we hear this, just hear this from Daniel's words again. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed. Basically saying you got to break off your sins by living righteously. How do we live righteously? We got to start working these other gods out of your life. We got to start working these situations and things that you've been following and things that you've been doing. They got to go away. They, they can't exist any longer. So those are the sins that he's got to, to begin working out. But the iniquities, and it makes that statement by showing mercy to the oppressed, that you're in a position of, yes, you, you've got a great kingdom and there's a lot of things going for you, but you've got to start showing mercy to people. You've got to start living humbly, that you have moments of living in humility, but you also have major moments of living in pride. So you've got to get it together. Otherwise, this dream is going to come to pass. This dream is going to come true. So Daniel puts it, he interprets it and he puts it down for him of live righteously so you don't sin and show mercy to the oppressed so that you can work out these iniquities so that you can live the life that God's calling you to live. That then leads us to Daniel chapter 4, verses 28 through 33. Let's read this now and see what happens next. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. The next point that comes out of this is godly discipline. While the words were still in Nebuchadnezzar's mouth, God executed the warning from the dream. And you'll notice it said after 12 months, time had passed. So there's plenty of, of opportunity for him to begin working this stuff out of his life, working the sin out of his life, working the iniquities out of his life. But he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't completed it. And he's still saying, look at what I built. Look at my kingdom. And that ultimately God allows the discipline for a believer and a seven-year sentence of living like a wild animal begins because he's got to bring Nebuchadnezzar down a few pegs, and he is going to make him on the same part with a wild animal, even below all of, of mankind. But here's the thing you got to hear is that God cares about Nebuchadnezzar enough to allow this humbling process. You can look at it and say, well, that's not fair. That's not right. That's not nice. Why would God do this? Because God cares more about him as a person than he does about his stature. 
He's not worried about King Nebuchadnezzar's stature amongst people. He's worried about his heart. And so he's allowing something to happen to him so that God can get a hold of his heart so that he can accomplish the good work that he has for Nebuchadnezzar. It's something that he wants to do to help grow him. And here's the thing is that ultimately he might have started working some of the sin out that we, we say there's a year that's gone by. Maybe he's gotten rid of some of these gods and the spirit of the gods, and he's not really viewing things that way anymore. Maybe the magicians are gone, but ultimately the iniquities are still there. He is still willingly making the choice of saying, I'm going to be prideful. I'm going to be about my kingdom. And he still hasn't worked it all out yet. Godly discipline is a good thing because it helps us to grow. So Nebuchadnezzar needs to work out this pride in his life, and he needs to do it permanently, and he needs to do it now. And so he has to be humbled for this to happen. But the wild animal phase is not the end of the, the story. So let's check out how this story really ends. And this is Daniel 4, verses 34 through 37. Let's read it together. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. And the last point that I want to pull out of chapter 4 today is this, is that God is a God of restoration. That you can look at this and say, well, he had to walk a seven-year period of time out as a wild animal. But that God is a God of restoration. He did not leave Nebuchadnezzar there. He didn't forget about Nebuchadnezzar. Just like he didn't forget about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. He allowed that test, that trial to happen. But here, he was not departing from Nebuchadnezzar, but he was allowing a humbling process to happen in Nebuchadnezzar's life. That the kingdom for him was eventually restored. More greatness was added to him. But the difference is now that he is giving the praise and the honor and the glory to God Almighty and not to himself. When we realize this and say, you know what, I'm not in control. It's not my will, but his will that I want Jesus Christ to be made famous. When we begin communicating those things, it allows us to speak the truth that God has for us. That God may let us go through a difficult patch and we don't really understand it or get it until we're on the other side of it. But a lot of times when we're in it, it's easy to blame other people, blame God. But we need to look at it and say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? In the case of Nebuchadnezzar, he's trying to work humility in and pride out. But for you, it might be something different. And I want to encourage you today that you need to begin working three things out of your life. Your trespasses, your sin, and your iniquities. Your trespasses are those things where you just don't know and you need to become educated. You need to spend time in God's word. You need to spend time God, praying with God so that God would begin revealing those things that are trespasses, so you can begin working those things out so that you can grow in strength 
just like uh, we can see someone like Nebuchadnezzar, or we can see Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they have educated themselves. They have worked out the issues. We need to work out the sin that's in our life. We need to be willing to say, you know what? I have the strength and the, the ability, so I'm just going to kind of keep practicing shooting this bow and arrow, practicing shooting this bow and arrow until I can hit that target every single time. And that ultimately we need to work the iniquities out where we're saying, you know what, I'm not just going to be able to hit that target and then shoot my arrow way over there because I want to intentionally miss it. That the sin is stuff that we need to practice and we, as we continue to become strong, we begin being able to hit that consistently. But the iniquity is something where we need to say, you know what, I am not going to participate in that and I'm okay without participating in that. That when we look at this, we can see that God was faithful to Daniel, that God was faithful to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that God was ultimately faithful and stayed right there with Nebuchadnezzar in the wilderness. So in all these instances, I want you to realize that God will stay faithful to you if you will allow him to be in your life, that you'll spend time in his word, you'll spend time in prayer, that God is never going to depart from you. And the more time you spend being aware of him, the more time you're going to grow and you're going to be able to hit that mark on a consistent basis. So that's what I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that you will allow God to work things out of your life so that you can be in proper relationship with God. First, though, I do want to pray that if you're listening to this and you have never accepted Jesus into your life, that the first step to this of being able to get trespasses and sin and iniquities out of your life and uh, work that pride out, bring in the humility, is ultimately by saying that I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. So if that's you today, I just want to pray for you. There's no special words, but I want you to say, Jesus, would you come into my life? I'm going to pray over you right now, but make that statement, that bold declaration of, Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you set me free? Would you help break these things off in my life so that I can follow after you? I'm going to pray for you first. Heavenly Father, Lord, I lift up my friends that are watching this right now that are away from you but want to have a relationship with you. Lord, that you would make yourself real to them today. That as they are asking you to come into their lives, Lord, that you would begin breaking sin and bondage and, and junk off of them. Lord, that you would set them free so that they could be everything that you have called them to be. Lord, I pray that you would move in their lives, that you would help them to become a new creation, just like you did for me. In Jesus' incredible name, amen. Now, if that's you, I want you to go on myshores.church at the end of this video hit the button that says, start my Christian journey. And I want you to start reading and seeing that which Jesus Christ has done for you. Now, for the rest of you, I want to pray over you that you would continue to study God's word so you would know what your trespasses are, that you would continue to practice righteousness so that you could work the sin out of your life and always hit that target, and that you would refuse to live in iniquity, that saying, you know what, I want to uh, completely disobey what God has called me to do. I want to continue to always go after what God is calling me to do. I'm going to pray this over you today. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends that are listening today, that if there is any trespasses, any sins, or any iniquities in our life, Lord, that you would make them obvious to us, and you would give us a passion and a desire to work them out of our life. 
Lord, if it's just a matter of being educated and aware, that you would make us aware of the mistakes that we've made. If it's the matter of we're trying hard and we're just not hitting that target yet, Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength to do that which you're calling us to do. And Lord, if there is anything in us, any iniquities that are in us that are causing us to say, you know what, I know what truth is, I'm able to do it, but I'm going to choose to do the opposite. Lord, I pray right now, break that over each and every one of us so that we would walk in the direction that you uh, you ultimately have for us, God. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for being able to spend time with my friends studying your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we go to close today, would you just say the Great Commission with me? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. I pray that you have a great day. Whether you're watching on YouTube, following on Facebook, streaming on Spotify, make sure to like and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any content in the future. Share this message with somebody that needs to hear this message. And let me just encourage you, check out myshores.church to see what's going on at the church, to be able to give online and to be able to be involved. And we hope to see you in the building soon. But I'll catch you next time for Daniel chapter 5. Have a great day. Thank you.